This morning, we're going to be finishing up our sermon series on stranger things, reminding us that we were all once strangers. We're going to be looking at a passage from Ephesians chapter 2, 11 through 22. We're kind of picking up right where we left off last week. You might remember last week we talked about the Good Shepherd and how we follow the Good Shepherd rather than following those strange voices. But then we ended by reminding ourselves that we need to be like that good shepherd, going out into the world and bringing other people into the flock. And so that's what we're going to talk about today, starting with Ephesians chapter 2. But before I read that to you, I invite you to bow your heads and join me in prayer. Let us pray. Gracious and loving God, we come to you now with open hearts, hopeful to hear your word. We pray by the grace of your spirit. That the words we hear and the thoughts of our hearts will lead us to your will for all of us as your church and for each of us as your children. Dear God, we love you. We thank you for your love. Amen. So again, Ephesians chapter 2, beginning with verse 11. So then remember that at one time, you Gentiles by birth, called the uncircumcision, by those who are called the circumcision, a physical circumcision made in the flesh by human hands, remember that you were at that time without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers to the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. But now, in Christ Jesus, you who once were far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ, for he is our peace. In his flesh he has made both groups into one and has broken down the dividing wall, that is the hostility between us. He has abolished the law with its commandments and ordinances that he might create in himself one new humanity in place of the two, thus making peace, and might reconcile both groups to God in one body through the cross, thus putting to death the hostility through it. So he came and proclaimed peace to you who were far off and peace to those who were near. For through him, both of us have access in one spirit to the Father. So then you who are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are citizens with the saints and also members of the household of God, build upon the foundation of the apostles and the prophets with Christ Jesus himself as the cornerstone. In him, the whole structure is joined together and grows into a holy temple in the Lord in whom you also are built together spiritually into a dwelling place for God. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. My wife and I are both proud, card-carrying introverts. At times in our lives, that has probably made it maybe appear like we're shy or that we don't have a lot of friends, although we have tons of friends. Actually, being an introvert, what it means is that we get energy from those times when we can either be by ourselves in contemplation or be in one-on-one relationships. It doesn't mean necessarily that we don't like being in big groups of people. It just means every Sunday after I preach a sermon, I need a nap because I've been talking to all of you. And so it always amazes me, those friends of mine who are extroverts, who get energy the other way. When they preach sermons and they see all these wonderful people and they are ready to go build a house or something right after Sunday Sunday school and church is over because they get energized by other people. I'm always amazed at people like that because I'm always worn out on a Sunday afternoon. 
I had a good friend like that uh, in seminary. His name was Stuart. And Stuart was a charmer. He had a thicker southern accent than I did. And he loved to talk to strangers. Everywhere we went when we were seminary students, he always found someone to talk to. When we'd go to the grocery store, he'd see someone picking out a peanut butter and completely unprompted, he would go up to them and say, let me tell you about that peanut butter. You don't want that peanut butter. You don't know the nutritional value of that peanut butter. You want this peanut butter over here. And I would always say, well, you know, he didn't ask you. Or we would go to the hospital and we'd be going to visit somebody there and we would get stuck on the elevator or on the elevator with another person, an unsuspecting person who was just there trying to go see someone else. He would always have to strike up a conversation, not only about who they were going to see, but what they were going to do, what did they work in the hospital, what they were wearing, something along those lines. Or even when we go to a restaurant and talk to the waitress who would come up and take our order. He would not only ask about the menu, but ask about her family, ask about her friends, ask about where she came from. And finally I would ask him and I would tell him, you know, you don't have to talk to everybody. We can just go out and have a nice time just, you know, being friends ourselves. And he said, he would always reply, are you crazy? It's in the Bible. It's right there in Holy Scripture. It says strangers are just friends you haven't met yet. I don't know if you've heard that term before, that phrase before, but that's actually not in the Bible at all. It's one of those that are in, I don't know, 1 Hezekiah or something like that. It's not in the Bible, but it is in the Bible in different ways. It's maybe implied in different scriptures throughout the Bible that we are supposed to reach out to strangers, including the passage that I just read to you from Ephesians. Constantly, all throughout Scripture, we see examples where Jesus Christ calls us to reach out and welcome strangers. And the passages that we've been reading over the past month and in many more that we haven't gotten to in the past few weeks. Right in the passage of Ephesians, Paul is reaching out to this group of Gentile Christians. You might remember that, that in Jerusalem, where the church really began, it, the disciples were sent out into the world to preach the gospel, to share the good news. And Paul uh, was known to really spread the church all throughout the Gentile world and, and to Gentile people, people who did not know the law that the Jewish people knew. And so they practiced being a Christian a little bit differently than the Jewish Christians, the place where the church was founded. And so this time had come when when Paul had told them, it's time for you to go and spread the gospel. And they were having trouble because they wanted people to, to learn about the gospel like they had learned about it, learn about the grace of God, follow in the footsteps of Jesus the way they had followed in the footsteps of Jesus. And here in this passage, Paul reminds them, Remember, remember those people back in Jerusalem who thought you were strangers at one time, who wanted you to do everything like they did it. Remember back then, they treated you like strangers, but you weren't strangers to Jesus Christ. Remember, way back then, when when the gospel came to you, there were people telling you, no, in order to believe in Jesus, you have to be just like us, following in the footsteps of us. But Jesus Christ welcomed you just as you are. Not in following the law, those purity laws as the Jews did, but but following Jesus through the grace and truth that Jesus gives to all of us. Remember that at one time you were a stranger. And so why in the world are you treating others the same way you were treated before? 
We have a tendency to do that, though. When we meet strangers or when we meet things that are different than us in the world, our tendency is to try to protect ourselves. That's our instinct. When we are pushed out of our comfort zone, we like to find those places in our world that are safe, and we want our church to be one of those places after all. I dare say many of you come here because you feel like it's a place where you feel safe, where you feel comfortable. I certainly hope many days that's how, why you're here. You feel like this is a place that accepts you for who you are. But if someone else came in and, and challenged that equilibrium, of pushed us and challenged us who seemed a little strange to us, well, our gut reaction is to try to push them back, to keep them at arm's length, to say, you need to be like us if you're going to be here. And Paul says that's not how we build the church. That's not how Jesus Christ builds the church. Even though our instinct is to keep it safe, Jesus tells us to welcome strangers. The great preacher Tom Long tells a story like that. It's kind of a cliche story at this point, but one that he has told many times throughout his life. It's a story of when he was a child growing up at a church, a rural church in Georgia, a church that was filled with farmers and farm owners, a, a, a place that he loved and, and, and built him into the Christian that he was. But he tells a story of one day, like maybe many of you have experienced, his small little church was gathered for worship, worship had started, and then all of a sudden, out of nowhere, a stranger walked into the church. They could tell immediately just by the way this person was dressed that something was wrong with this stranger. Maybe they were homeless or certainly they didn't have a lot of money. They looked disheveled. They looked out of place. And so even everybody, because it was a small church, everybody noticed when this person came in and the ushers did their duty. They forced a bulletin in this person's hand, told them to sit in the back of the pew and the back pew of the church. And, and everybody just kind of kept wondering, who is this person and why are they here? They could tell that this person maybe didn't fit in with them. And so when the collection plates were passed, you could tell there was a sense in the congregation, maybe we ought to watch as those collection plates go by and maybe this person's going to pick some, some money out of the plate rather than putting money in. Well, as it turned out, right after the sermon was over, the man got up and left. And so there was no opportunity for all the people to go and, and speak to them after the service was over. So when the service did end, they all, as they traditionally did, walked out to the big oak tree right out in front of the church. And he could hear the farmers talking to each other, those people who had been to the church many times before. And they were all talking about that man, that stranger who had been in the church. And he could tell, Tom Long could tell, that even then they were having a hard time expressing what they were feeling. That God had put them to the test that morning. And they had flunked. Kind of put them to the test by bringing a stranger right there in their midst, and they had failed. They were too worried about their safety. They were too worried about their church. They were too worried about the equilibrium in their comfort zone. And so they pushed the person away. And Tom Long said, maybe, you know, we were right. Maybe he was a thief, or, or maybe, maybe he did have some mental issues that would have caused him to be dangerous to us, or maybe it wasn't that dangerous, but maybe he was just different. Maybe he was of a different race, or maybe he was gay, or maybe he had different ideas about who Jesus was that would have caused us a lot of concern and frustration, but that wasn't the test. The test was, can you welcome a stranger? And they failed. I can't be too hard on them because I like my comfort zones as well. 
I don't like pushing buttons. You all, I've been here almost six years now. You know me pretty well. I'm a peacekeeper if there ever was one. When we have struggles within the church, I'm always trying to find a way to keep things smooth, to keep that equilibrium going. But Jesus Christ calls us to, to go out to those things that are strange and find ways to reach out to them, to bring them into the flock, even when it's difficult, even when it's hard, even when it means we might have to change. Because you see, the church is not only called to go out into the world and change the world, but it starts by coming to the church to change ourselves, to be conquered by God. And that's what a church is, after all. A group of people who are willing to wrestle, who are willing to fight with the strange things in order to spread the gospel to the world. And that's hard to do. Will Willem, the great preacher, uh, the great Methodist preacher, tells a wonderful story from, from his own church, one of his churches where he served. It's a story of a, a church member named Alice, a woman who lived right outside the church, in fact, because she was homeless and she was an alcoholic. And she came to the church every day, and finally this church decided, we're going to try to bring Alice into the church. We're going to try to do what the gospel tells us to do, make her a member of this church. And so for two years, they worked with Alice. She, he assigned a family to sort of adopt her and, and be her family even though she lived on the streets and as you might imagine that was two very long hard years every time it seemed like she was taking two steps forward she would take three steps back every time they got her a house she would lose the house every time they got her a job she would lose the job every time they felt like they were making some progress with her she would fall apart but finally after two years of working with this family and working with this church she seemed to be doing a little better and Will Willimon went to that family, that family that had adopted her and that family that had worked with her, went to the mom of that family and said, thank you, thank you for helping Alice learn how to be a part of our church. And that mother said, don't thank me, thank Alice. Before Alice joined this church, I was worried we were becoming just a club of really nice, sweet people. Alice made us a church. That's what strange people do. They come in and push us and challenge us and force us to take a long, hard look at ourselves. But that's what the church is. A church where we might be changed so that we might change the world. I'm not saying it's easy. But Jesus Christ calls us time and again to welcome the stranger because we once were strangers. May may not have felt like strangers in our day-to-day -day lives, but all of us at one time were strangers to God. Strangers who had let God down. Strangers who had not fallen, followed through with what God calls us to do. Strangers who needed God's help. And guess what? God welcomed us as strangers. Called us home. Beckoned us in. And helped us to be a part of the kingdom of God. We're all here today because we were once strangers, but now we are children at home. We were once strangers to God, but because of the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, we are strangers no more. But it's not enough just to make this place welcome. We can throw open these doors and put welcome signs up everywhere, but what Jesus Christ does, if we're going to follow Jesus Christ as, as Jesus Christ lived in the world, then we have to do more. We have to go out into the world and go toward those strange people. 
As I said, that's against our very nature. What we want to do is build up walls to keep those people at arm's length. We don't want them to change us or challenge us or, or cause us any harm. But that's not what Jesus Christ did. Jesus Christ went right towards those people who challenged Him, who tested Him. Jesus Christ went right towards those people who were despised and rejected in the world. Jesus Christ went right towards the stranger. And so we are called to do the same. Will Milliman tells another wonderful illustration about a Uh, a youth conference he went to where he was one of the speakers at that youth conference. He was just one of many, and there was another man speaking, a man named Duffy Robbins, who was speaking before him at the conference. And Duffy had wanted to do this experiment, this illustration with all of the youth that were there at the church that day. He he read a passage from Romans 5, and it says something along along the lines that God proved God's love for us that while we were still sinners... Christ died for us. You've probably heard that before. He read that several times and he said, now that you've heard that passage, I want to try a little experiment with you. He said, I want you to imagine on on that side of of the chancel, on that side of the stage are all the good people and all the way on this side are the bad people. And I'm going to tell you the name of someone and you tell me where they're supposed to go. He pointed to someone and said, Mother Teresa, come up here and tell me where Mother Teresa would be. And Mother Teresa, of course, walked all the way to the far side, the good side of the stage. Then he pointed to another person and said, Attila the Hun, where would that person be? And of course, Attila the Hun walked all the way to the bad side of the stage. He did this over and over again with people from history, Martin Luther King and Saddam Hussein, and and even just just normal people who are, are entertainment figures. He would name them out out loud, and people who are living today who one by one he would name them and they would come up and stand in a big line across the stage from good all the way to bad and finally after he had assigned all these names he pointed to one person and said now you you be Jesus tell me where Jesus would stand well of course Jesus walked all the way to the far end to the good side and he looked out at the congregation of of teenagers and said is this right is this where Jesus would be and and someone stood up and said no Jesus is so far above even better than Mother Teresa that all of those other people should scoot down and scoot away from Jesus making that that big gap because there's such a gap between Jesus and all the rest of us and so slowly the kids started scooting down He asked them again, is this right? And they all said, yeah, we think so. And then he went back and read that passage again. Even while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Even while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And every time he read it, the person playing Jesus walked closer and closer and closer and closer to all the bad people walking toward the people in need, even while they were still sinners. Jesus Christ loved them. Jesus Christ welcomed them. Jesus Christ called them by name. And Jesus finally got there amongst all the sinners. Duffy looked at the crowd and said, is this right? Is this where Jesus would be? And they all said, yes. And he said, well, you know, you're supposed to be following Jesus. You're supposed to be going where Jesus is going. You're supposed to go out to the world to those people who are despised and rejected. You're supposed to go to those people who are strange to you, who drive you crazy. You're supposed to go toward them, not away from them. Don't get me wrong. 
I've said it before, that's hard to do. But that's what it means to be the church. To build the church. To build up the kingdom of God. To go towards those people and try to remind them once again of the grace of God. We go to them not so that we can conquer them. With our ideologies and our beliefs, we go to them so that Jesus Christ can conquer them. Just as Jesus Christ conquered us. We go to them not just so that we can welcome them, but that Jesus Christ can welcome them. Just like Jesus Christ welcomed us. Like I said, it's hard to do. But in those moments when you're looking at someone who is a stranger to you, who looks at you and drives you crazy, that person who has everything different and not in common with you, I want you to remember. Remember that at one time, you were a stranger. At one time, you were a stranger to God and Jesus Christ welcomed you. Remember that at one time, you were a stranger. But now... You're a stranger no more. Thanks be to God. Amen.